All right, get your Bibles tonight and open the book of Mark, chapter number 9. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9. Several weeks ago, the preacher uh, preached the message on Paul in Philippians where he says this one thing I do and in that message I believe is where he had talked about having uh, over the summer uh, different ones come and speak on one thing and I was like oh that'd be good for some reason that night after church I ran across him needed to speak to him about something can't remember what that was but he said hey I want you to do one of those one thing and I was like what <laughs> you do yeah, and I, he said, just preach on one thing, and he was fixing to walk off, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need to know more about this one thing, what do, what do you mean, talk about this a while here, and so he began to explain of, of his idea of what uh, he had envisioned for this to be, and so uh, I began to pray about what it was, it is very difficult, as he said, to think of the things the Lord has shown you, and maybe that one thing that probably had the biggest impact in your life or the lives of others. Uh, that that's hard to uh, that's hard to narrow down. And uh, but I began to pray, uh, seek the Lord about that, and so uh, He's led us to do what uh, what I'm going to bring to you tonight. There are several texts in the Bible that would teach the one thing that I want to speak about. Uh, if this was a normal message, I would uh, read a text, and from that text, our message would come. But the Lord just impressed upon me that the one thing is so familiar that as soon as you heard it, our tendency would be just to turn, our, turn the key, flip the switch, and not pay attention. So I was praying about how to bring the message and how to deliver it. So we're going to do things a little backwards. I'm going to take and show you how the truth applied or not applied through the life of one of the disciples of Christ, which is going to be Peter. So we're going to look at the life of Peter, and we're going to examine him a little bit. Now I want you to know that I have the utmost respect for Peter. Uh, I think uh, he is far better Christian uh, than I will ever even come close to being. Uh, but he is so relatable because he made so many blunders. Uh, and, and we can relate to those. There's a lot of good things in the Gospels that he did and said. Uh, but through the Gospels, we're going to look at some of those blunders. And we want to see in the life of Peter what it is that's going wrong. Here's a man who was called out by God, who was a fisherman. And God come along the shores of the Sea of Galilee and called him and the other disciples out. and said, come and follow me. These men left their business, turned their backs on everything they had to follow Christ. And to do what he wanted them to do. Uh, that, that takes a lot. That takes a lot of faith. That takes a lot of commitment. And uh, Peter and those disciples 
were men who did that. Not everyone's willing to do that. And so I have the utmost respect for these men. But they are men. And they had to learn and to grow in how to serve Christ. And so tonight, that's kind of the lesson we're going to look at as we talk about him. And so we're going to begin uh, with some aspects of Peter and his service uh, in the Gospels. And then we're going to move into the book of Acts and look at his service there. And let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for the night. Thank you for your love and goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that I have tonight to bring the truth from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, I know this is what you directed me to bring, but I do not understand or know exactly why. And uh, Lord, you have a work for this to do, and I pray that uh, it would be accomplished tonight. Uh, speak to our hearts and help us and those who are trying to serve, uh, serve you that hear this message. And uh, Lord, may they be encouraged and may they be enlightened and helped because of what we say here in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We look at Peter in his life, and uh, we know a lot of things about him. But the contrast between Peter in the Gospels and Peter in the book of Acts could not be more polar or more extreme. Uh, you may not have ever considered that, uh, but it is so very true. He did so well in the book of Acts as we look at Peter in the early days of the church. Uh, but he had so many struggles through the Gospels while Jesus was here and during Jesus' ministry. I want to show you some of the struggles that he had in serving. Again, here was men, as he said, Christ to Christ, we have left all and followed you. And he did. He left everything behind and followed Christ. So there was no doubt that he was committed to Christ and committed to serving him. But his service was missing something. We want to see how that plays out. Mark chapter 9 is the first aspect that I want us to look at and beginning at verse number 33. Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. Jesus begins teaching his disciples saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall... Uh, deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and they shall kill him and the third day he shall rise again. Am I in the right spot? I'm one page too far. All right, let's start again. Mark 9, verse 33. All right, here we go. And he came to Capernaum, being in the house... He asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? So Jesus is asking this question to his disciples. But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And then Jesus uses that as a teaching point in verse 35 and brings a child and sets him down in the midst of him and 
teaches them what greatness is to him. But here are the disciples who are fully committed to serving Christ, and they have an argument, a dispute, it says, between them about who is the greatest. So in this area of service that Peter has, we see that he has some aspirations for greatness as well as the other disciples. Now this is not a good characteristic to have as a servant of Christ. But they have it. Aspiring for greatness. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. Verse number 21. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter, look at this, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Wow. So here is Peter correcting God. In verse 23, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. One of the strongest rebukes to any of the disciples is right here to Peter, because Peter uh, was trying to serve God, but Christ was not going along with the plans that Peter had or how he envisioned how he envisioned Christ bringing the kingdom to be. So Peter began to rebuke him and in turn Christ put it right back on him. Get thee behind me Satan for thou art an offense for thou savorest not the things that be of God but those that be of men. So here in, in Peter's service we see that Peter has an agenda. He has it figured out how he's going to do God's work in serving him. Turn, if you would, John chapter 18. John chapter number 18. John chapter 18. Christ has been arrested in the garden, fixing to be, and Peter doesn't like that idea. He has already avowed his loyalty to Christ, and he is going to defend Christ no matter what and give his life. So when they come to take Christ and arrest him, it says in John 18.10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So here again, Peter is making mistake in serving Christ. He does not understand what God is doing. He does not understand how to go about God's work or how God plans to bring his will to pass. 
And now we see that, that Peter is so full of ambition that he is ready to fight. But he does not know how to fight spiritually. And so he ends up hurting someone. And boy, that can be the case when you're trying to serve God. Aspirations for greatness. An agenda on how to do God's work. Ambition to accomplish a goal or a task. Can be very detrimental. It caused a lot of problems and Peter, along with other disciples, had some of these problems. We also see and know about his arrogance, his boasting of his loyalty. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going somewhere, just be patient. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter number 22 and verse 31. Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before the, that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And subsequently, we know Peter did that very thing. Three times he denied Christ. If you look down in Luke 22, verse 60, it's the last time that he denied Christ. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And notice what it says, verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. There are the times that we read and other times where Peter had been rebuked by Christ. This is the only one where we see Peter giving a response to Christ's rebuke. We're about to see something good happen in the life of Peter. He did weep bitterly. The first visible response to Christ's rebuke. And upon the resurrection, Christ meets specifically with Peter. We don't have to turn there and look. Mark 16, 7, uh, Jesus told them when they came, said, go your way to the empty tomb. Said, go your way, tell his disciples. Or the angel spoke to him and told him, go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, Paul mentions, as he begins to list those who saw the resurrected Christ, that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. On a separate occasion from all the other disciples, Christ met alone with Peter. 
We believe that that is the point at which Peter and him got the denial thing worked out and he was forgiven. But it's interesting that even though Peter had met the risen Christ, he still had not gotten back on track. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Jesus had made several appearances to the disciples and others and had already met with Peter. In John 21, verse 1, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on the, this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Something's still wrong with Peter. You would think it would be just the fact that Christ had died and all his hopes and plans and forsaking all and following him were totally dashed when Christ died. But you would think that at the resurrection and being able to see him, all those hopes would have been revived and he would be okay. But that is not the case. Something is still wrong with Peter. And we see that he is very apathetic now about spiritual matters. It seems that he could not get over his personal failure and now he is very discouraged at the thought of following Christ and working for him. Huh. He returns to his old ways. Fishing was what he forsook to follow Christ in the beginning. He is physically present, but spiritually absent. What's wrong with Peter? This is how his service goes through the Gospels. There's other accounts that we could look at, and some of the other disciples are guilty of the very same things. But we have listed an aspiration for greatness, an agenda that he personally has on how it's supposed to be done. Ambition to achieve a goal no matter what the cost or how. Arrogance of boasting of his loyalty to Christ. And when he fails, there is discouragement and apathy and a return to activities that are not spiritual in nature. Hmm. As we look at Peter in the New Testament, book of Acts Things are totally different. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 15. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, 
This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. And he goes on and leads that young church to replace Judas, who had hung himself. But I want you to notice that it says of Peter in verse 15 that Peter stood up. This is symbolic of how we see Peter throughout the book of Acts. He is rising to every occasion. And here he is leading the church. The scripture, notice that. He uses scripture as his guide. He no longer is operating on his agenda. He is finding out what God wants done. And he is following it. What a difference. We turn to chapter 2 and verse number 1. It tells us, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Peter, I think, is responsible here as a leader, and he has everyone in unity on the day of Pentecost. And then the Holy Spirit is given and the church is empowered. And a great work is going to be done. And in verse 14, we see Peter standing up again with the eleven, lifting up his voice and said unto them, and he begins to preach that message on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 are added to the church. We could go on and chapter 3 and we see that it's Peter and John who are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer and they meet the crippled man and he is healed and a great crowd gathers there at Solomon's temple on the porch in front of it and he preaches there and many believe on the gospel in chapter 5 we see that he is dealing with the matter in the church with Ananias and Sapphira There's sin in the church, and he doesn't back down from it, but he confronts it and he deals with it. In chapter 10, uh, it's something totally new to him. He uh, has a vision from God, and God speaks to him and shows him, lowers a sheet, and he sees all manner of beasts that are unclean. And the Lord says, rise and eat, Peter. And he says, not so. And three times this happens. Peter is finally going to give in and realize that what he had been taught and trained and what was ingrained in him was not what God wanted done. And he goes to Cornelius and gives them the gospel and their household is saved. So you see we have a totally different Peter in the book of Acts compared to the Peter throughout the gospels. Throughout the book of Acts, he is following Christ and doing what God wants. He's getting instruction and direction from God. He is walking with God and using Scripture as his guide. But in the Gospels, that was not the case. Many times, that aspiration for greatness, that agenda that he had, that ambition that he had, that arrogance that came out and his apathy at his failures and his activities in unspiritual matters came too frequent so what was it that made the difference 
And that's what we're getting to. What was it that happened to Peter to make this change? Some would say, well, it was the Holy Spirit coming in Acts chapter 2. Well, I'm sure that multiplied things for sure. There's nothing like doing God's work with God's power. But he started acting right before the Holy Ghost was given. We mentioned Acts 1.15 and Acts 2.1. Things were already turned around in the right, right way. So what was it with Peter that made him act better? I want you to turn back to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. In John 21, we read the first few verses about them toiling all night and had caught nothing. What follows that is Jesus shows up, tells them to cast out their net, and they take in a great multitude of fishes. And they're dragging them to the shore. In verse number 9, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on the fire. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye now have, uh, have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now verse 15 is where it starts. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on the breast, his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou 
mean? So this is the last conversation that Jesus and Peter had before we get to the book of Acts. And in it, I think, is some of the keys as to what happened with Peter and why he had such a change and what his problems in service were. The first thing that I see here in this, we're not going to be able to get into it much. We just don't have the time to cover it. But there was a problem with Peter's heart and more specifically his love for Christ. Because that's the, the first thing that Jesus went to, his love, the affections of his heart. To serve Christ properly, we all know that we must get our affections on Christ. Our love for Christ is the very prime mover in our service for him. Someone has said that God's work is so difficult, appreciated so little, is responded to so discouragingly, it is criticized so harsh, Satan's attacks are so fierce, that only our love for Christ can sustain us and convince us to continue in our service for him. But there was a problem with Peter's love. Many of you know from this story, many people have, have it in their commentaries and have even preached it about the words that Jesus used for love, how he used agape in the first two questions and phileo in the third one. It is not, as we mentioned before, uh, Peter's, uh, it's not that he did not love God, but he did not love him as he should. Christ had tried to show him earlier this problem in his life. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, we read where Christ rebuked Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan told him that he, you savor not the things that be of God, but savorest the things of men. That word savor also has the, the connotation to it of affection. If you look that up, it has, it's even rendered once in our Bible as being set your affection on. And so Peter had some affections in his heart that just were not right, and it was causing him trouble. After that rebuke by Christ, he pulled all of his disciples in, and in Matthew 16, 24, he told them that they were to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. You know, that's what he told Peter in the beginning on the seashore of Galilee. Follow me. And now at this point, Peter still has not learned what it meant to follow Christ. Christ tried to show him, but it had none effect. Christ does not need us, as Peter thought, to lay down our lives to die for him. He needs us to lay down our lives and live for him. So there was a problem with his love. But there was also uh, the test that Jesus gave him and to prove to him that his love was not what it should be. His reply was, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. Peter evidently was not feeding the sheep that God had entrusted to him. Evidently, Peter was very busy, but he was not meeting the spiritual needs of the flock that God had given him. All of us have flocks 
We all have families. We all have friends. We all have people that God has brought into our lives that are our neighbor that we are supposed to love. And we're supposed to have an influence on. And, and their spiritual well-being should be our primary concern. Christ also in this uh, conversation with Peter again told him, follow me. Follow me. And then Peter was worried about what John was going to do. And again, he had to tell him, Peter, follow me. Peter was not getting his instructions from God, but was kind of doing his own thing. What to do, when to do it, and how to do it, all had to make sense to Peter. He could not just follow Christ. You know, those aspects that we mentioned in the beginning about aspirations for greatness and the agenda of how to go about things, the ambition to accomplish some goal or to build something or achieve something, the, the arrogance, the uh, failure and discouragement and the apathy about spiritual things because of that, I'm afraid, described a lot of my service at one point. I had not been pastoring a church very long. It was my very first church to pastor. And I'd been there a little while. And I'd been praying about what to do, and I was very concerned. It was just a handful of people. It was a little storefront type church. I was working a full-time job, and spraying on how we could grow, and so we decided to have a big day. We, uh, we worked hard, uh, the folks in the church, and we uh, did what we would do here. We would go out and pass out invitations. We would uh, go door knocking through the neighborhoods near and around the church especially, and we invited friends and family, and we just worked and prayed and worked and prayed. And I had really been praying about setting an attendance goal. And we pr I prayed and I was just convinced that we could go from whatever our attendance was. And I don't remember all the exact numbers, but I think we probably were running somewhere around uh, 35 or 40 on a very regular basis at the time. And so I wanted to double that and I felt real sure about that and prayed about that. And so we had set a goal of 80. So we were praying and working, and boy, the day came, and uh, people started showing up, and uh, it, was, it was good. We were excited, and I was very concerned about preaching and all of those things that go on on a normal Sunday. And so when uh, service was over and all, and our, uh, the man who did the counting came and told me what our attendance was that day. Uh, it was a very, very good day, and I think we had somewhere around 76 or 77 people, which was great, more than we've ever had before, by far. And we had almost actually doubled in attendance that day. But I want you to know, I felt like such a failure. I was so distraught, so discouraged I really can relate to how Peter must have felt I felt like I failed God I failed our church and everything and those feelings of apathy came over me 
And I want you to know that it took me years, not days, not weeks. It took me years to get my feet back spiritually because I was attempting to serve Christ without following him and I did not really know how the Lord very graciously showed me some things what I've shared with you as simple and basic as it is tonight that my service to God was directly connected to my relationship with God he showed me that my service to him was directly connected to my relationship with him and if I would get my relationship with him right my service will get right I don't know that I have uh, arrived at that I don't think I have apprehended as Paul said but I do think I have improved turn to Matthew chapter 22 we're going to take just a few minutes Matthew chapter 22 Matthew 22 Matthew 22 and verse 36 question posed to Jesus said master which is the great commandment in the law Jesus said unto him here's the great commandment thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind that's number one this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets there it is turn to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 verse 38 Luke chapter 10 verse 38 now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word but Martha was cumbered about much serving she had serving trouble and came to him and said Lord dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bitter therefore that she help me and Jesus answered and said unto her Martha Martha thou art careful and troubled about many things but look at the next verse 
but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. My service to God is directly connected to my relationship with God. So this one thing I try to do right here. I make my relationship with God must have priority over serving God. I say it, but it don't sound right to me. But that's what, it's, that's what the book says. That is the way it works. My relationship with God must have priority over serving God. Lovest thou me? And how I check it is, is my serving God meeting the spiritual needs of those I am to serve? Am I feeding the sheep God's given me? And am I following God? All aspects of my service must be at his direction. Am I doing what he wants, when he wants, how he wants? It's not just a matter of, oh, there's a hole, I'll fill it. Oh, that's something I can do. That's going to lead us to aspirations of greatness, personal agendas, ambition that hurts people, arrogance that brings discouragement and failure, apathy, and many times a shipwrecked life. We see the same truth in Revelation 2, verses 1 through 4, the church in Ephesus. Where God's writing the seven churches of Asia, and he commends this church, starts off with the church in Ephesus, and commends them for their labor, for their hatred of doctrine of the Nicolaitans, for their service, and for all that they're doing, and how they hate evil. He only has one negative comment for them, and we all know what that is. Thou hast left thy first love. And it's true, we can get so busy with our programs, with our serving, with our doing, that we neglect our relationship with God. And it really shows up in our serving. And I have found that the closer I am to God, though I may not serve as much and do as much, what I do is much more effective than it would have been otherwise. Just as Martha found out, there is always something to do and somewhere to serve. But you do not always have an opportunity to sit at the feet of Christ. And we must get our priorities right. If we're going to serve him right, we've got to put him first. And our relationship with God has to be a priority over serving God. That is 
one thing that I think is needful. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Such a simple truth.